Hello, welcome to the new season of the Not The Top 20 podcast and most importantly the new season in the EFL. Alongside me is George Ellick, I am Ali Maxwell and you're listening to our League One predicted table. Now we'll be starting down at the bottom of League One where there's no fun to be had. Let's be quite clear about that. Four teams obviously drop out of League One and it makes for a really, really miserable experience for fans of clubs involved in that relegation battle. But we'll be moving up to happier times, happier climbs up at the top end of the seat, uh, of the table. So please stick with us uh, and make sure that you're getting in touch with us at NTT20Pod and letting us know exactly what you think about our predictions. So George, we've got to start with the 24th place team. It is a really hard call this year, the League One relegation battle I'm sure you'll agree Um, so tell me why we have Walsall at 24th currently yeah it it just everything looks like a really difficult season for Walsall coming up I think the last couple of years have been fairly difficult as well Um, they of course lost their manager last season I think to the delight of many fans but I, I saw little at the back end of last season to suggest that Dean Keats is anything more than, than a bit of a club legend from his playing days. Um, even the job he did at Wrexham was fairly unspectacular. I mean, given his purely the, what he did at that club and his CV, he never would have got the, the League Two job, I don't think, that he ended up getting. Um, there are still, there's still some quality in, in the squad, I guess, in terms of Amadou Bakayoko and Kieran Morris being the, the two main ones in attack and Joe Edwards in midfield. But despite that, even with them last season, they still struggled. And I think the, the players they brought in, they brought in Chris Dunn from Wrexham, unsurprisingly. Zeli Ishmael, who I think is is the seemingly the player that Walsall fans are kind of pinning their hopes to. I mean, I, I don't want to disappoint them, but he's he, he's certainly no great shakes at this level whatsoever. Um, having seen him play briefly for Oxford and also for, for you know for Bury last season, uh, Andy Cook comes with a big goalscoring reputation in the National League, but we've often seen that not translate up, especially to League Two, even to League One. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough old season for them. And, and I mean, I think right now, if you're a Warsaw fan um, and you are offered survival, if I were you, I, I'd, I'd take it. I, I know that many Warsaw fans are hoping for better than that, but, but I think this is going to be grim. Could be an interesting response there from Warsaw fans. It certainly hasn't been the easiest few seasons for them anyway. Uh, and we're not expecting things to get any better. Far from it. Uh, what about Blackpool, George? We've got them in, in 23rd. And my memories of Blackpool last season were uh, a good start and some encouraging signs, but always with the threat that, that what was a very unsustainable record of scoring basically 60% of their goals from long shots from outside the box ended up coming back to bite them. They, they dropped initially like a stone down towards mid-table, uh, the upper half of the bottom half of the table. But then they sort of steadied the ship. And in Gary Boya, they've got a manager that's that's quite good at steadying ships. So we've got them in 23rd. Is it more to do with quality of the squad, with issues off the pitch? What What is it here? I think it's a bit of everything. I think they did very, very well to stay up last season. We we had them going down, I think, in our pre-season predictions. And that was seemingly put paid to pretty quickly. Although... They did struggle after that. It just feels like Gary Bowie has always got a bit of a thankless task here uh, in terms of, of what's, what he's got to achieve. They lost a lot of players um, at the end of the season, not necessarily those that, that are particularly important, but you know, Carver sells the obvious one that you look at as being one they wouldn't have wanted to lose, Clark Robertson as well. Um, and the players they brought in, it seems like a fairly slapdash uh, attempt to, to recruit really. 
Um, Mark Bowler's maybe an interesting one from Arsenal on loan, but realistically, there's not much there. Mark Bowler's been. actually in on a three. They have got a, ah. cu- a couple of interesting loanies. O'Connor from Paddy Leeds. O'Connor is the one, yeah, that, that I think they're fairly excited about. Well, um, him, Hennigan, Dudu, Bunny, all in on loan. So there's... Uh, you know, there's plenty that's gone on, put it that way, at Blackpool over the summer. But I think I agree with you. It, it does seem slightly slapdash. Uh, there's definitely some players that leap out, like Ryan McLaughlin, the right back who signs from Oldham. Um, you, I'd expect him to be quite good, but the rest of them I'd, I'm just not sure of. Uh, and you do wonder whether Boyer himself, and this is quite a big part of why I was happy to have them down here, whether Boyer himself, at a certain point, will des- will decide that he deserves better will decide that he could be managing either at a higher level or for a more settled club now we don't know this for sure of course but given that we like him given that we think he should be highly sought after by teams maybe at the top end of league 1 maybe even the bottom end of the championship uh, it's possible that that might happen it's obviously not ideal working conditions with the everything that sort of swirls around off the pitch and and still still un Un- unsorted really on many levels off the pitch and I think for that reason we're just uh, we're just not not really feeling it for Blackpool I think it's fair to say I-, I would like to keep hammering the fact that it is very very tough to pick these four teams this year one of the reasons is that the teams from League 2 uh, no team promoted from League 2 has been relegated the following season from League 1 for the last six seasons and yeah, I don't want to say that we stuck to that for gospel, I think we've got good reasons for the for all of our predictions, and um, but that does mean that does mean that we're picking four existing League One teams to 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 really struggle and go back down. And given none of them look like potential basket case clubs like we've seen in previous seasons, it's it's a tough one to fill up the the four relegated spots. And you know, George, you mentioned that last year we probably picked Blackpool for relegation. We certainly picked AFC Wimbledon for relegation and we're doing so again. They're, they're down in 22nd for our predictions. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a tough one as well where you just feel like Neil Ardley keeps doing a fantastic job by keeping them up, but eventually something's got to give. I think the loss of, of Lyle Taylor to, to Charlton is a big loss. I mean, I, I don't think he'd maybe kicked on quite as much as they'd hoped. I mean, he was a, more of a genuine goal scorer when, when they came up from League Two and he, and he kind of filled up a different role um, wider if you're looking at the, the, the players they brought in I mean Anthony Wordsworth probably is a decent signing um, Scott Wagstaff I'm not quite so sure about James Hansen looks like a, a really good deal I think he can finally replace uh, Tom Elliott who they missed a lot last season in terms of having a, a big target man who they can aim for because it's always going to be fairly attritional at, at, um, at Kingsmeadow but I, I just don't really know where the goals are going to come from Cody McDonald just hasn't looked sharp enough to be that goal scorer um, it, it, it's it's looking fairly bare there. They'll, they'll, again, they'll be hard to beat. I don't think by any stretch any team, any AFC Wimbledon team under Ardley is going to be it's going to roll over. But it just feels like this run of keeping in League One is is fairly unsustainable for a club of this size. And, and this looks like the season to me where where they're going to drop back into into League Two. I do wonder possibly whether, because the, the squad certainly does look, look thin and it's a small squad as well, I do wonder whether they are the sort of team that has to wait until later on in the window to, to do their business. So, you know, with eight to nine to ten days to go, they're, they're definitely going to have to do some business to change our minds before the start of the season. But that, that's, a, that's possibly the case. Another team that hasn't done too much transfer business, who we are pretty worried about, it's fair to say, and this 
may come as a surprise to Doncaster fans, but we're tipping Donny to go down this year. They were a, a pretty uninspiring team last season. Darren Ferguson managed to create a very good defensive outfit that was, uh, that was perfectly capable of staying up, but really didn't show much more uh, quality or ambition. Certainly going forward, at times, it, it seemed like a one-man attack with, uh, with John Marquis just ploughing a lone furrow up there. And, and you know, we massively admire him for, for, for his level of performance and for the way he works for the team. But I just think that with the departure of Ferguson, the appointment of Grant McCann, who is some, someone that we're not hugely convinced by, I think that's fair to say. And, you know... This is a manager who's had one job at Peterborough and, um, you know, you'd ideally start judging managers after a few different jobs, a few different situations with different circumstances. But I don't think he walks into a side with a lot of talent. Um, They've not done a huge amount in the transfer market this summer. Uh, Just Tom Anderson from Burnley and Ali Crawford from Hamilton and then Mallet Wilkes on loan. So uh, not a lot in terms of incomings. They've lost no one that they will massively miss, but... I just don't see them being better than last year. And I think that the bottom of this league might be harder, might be tougher. And I'm I'm just a bit worried that if Grant McCann is not as good as Darren Ferguson at setting them up well defensively, which is very possible, then the lack of goals could really come back to bite them. So Doncaster, our fourth and final relegated pick. If you haven't heard your team's name, obviously that's, that's good. Breathe a sigh of relief. Um, but they're coming thick and fast now. George Gill's in, in 20th. Gillingham... Under Stuart Lovell, he took over. Steve. Under Steve Lovell, Stuart is, is not managing Gillingham. He's actually busy, so he, he can't. <laughs> um, but he's left it to Steve Lovell, who came in and performed one of the most impressive caretaker manager roles you, you're likely to see. Earned himself at that permanent job. Uh, and, and then. And, and, and then. And, and then. then. Well, tell me. And then what? And then two wins from the last 14 and one win from the last 10. Um, mm. So it was. It, the, the wheels fell off it's fair to say that doesn't by any stretch um, take anything away from the job that Lovell did but it means you don't go into this season being convinced that he is the man necessarily to, to, to take them forward the incomings have been fairly uninspiring as well um, you have to say uh, a lot of youngsters and then a bit of experience in Barry Fuller coming in I don't know if he's going to massively enhance them Callum Riley's an interesting deal Dean Parrott there's another one from AFC who, who who could add some some know-how, I guess, to their midfield. But but even so, it, it, they're looking fairly similar to last year. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's hard to feel particularly excited about this Gillingham team. Um, and for that reason, yeah, I think that another relegation battle uh, beckons, and, and it would be a surprise to me if Lovell um, is still at the helm in in a, in a couple of months' time. I'm not going to fight you on that one. Uh, I might disagree slightly more with the next one. Burton we've got in 19th on our predictions. Burton obviously in the Championship last season, in the Championship the season before, uh, only relegated really in injury time uh, of the 46th game of the season. But uh, we're predicting them to drop ever further. And um, that's probably something that Nigel Clough wouldn't like to hear. But I wouldn't want to tell him either. No, no, nor would I. But I hope he's a bit more cheerful this year. He seemingly hated being uh, being the manager of a of an underdog. Um, and, and they don't go into this season as underdogs. They they shouldn't be seen as underdogs. 
Um, but for whatever reason, we've decided that uh, that they're going to be down there. So, so run, run us through it. I think, I think pre-season has, has flagged up some worrying things, yeah, for sure. I'm not, I'm not a huge believer that in pre-season form telling us too much. But yeah, I mean, by all accounts, they have been atrocious in pre-season and the results have, have, have followed. What, what I think the issue with a team like Burton is, is they got promoted to the championship with a wealth of talent that, that took them there. And then over time inevitably that talent has slowly and surely been picked off and they come back into the league as a, as a, as a league, uh, league one as a far worse team and a, and a much older team and I just don't think that Nigel Clough is necessarily I think his management style his abrasive nature is probably a good one despite what you say about him not enjoying it to be the underdog and to, and to fight that battle whereas probably for the first time in Burton for, for Burton since Clough took over, what, 15, 10, 15 years ago, they're not the underdog now and they're expected to perform. Um, David, Templeton's, David Templeton's come down from Scotland. I mean, there's not much going really going on in, in their, their incomings. Ben Turner, Carl McFasden and Jake Buxton's obviously a very, very um, experienced trio of centre-backs that they can boast. Uh, Lloyd Dyer, of course, still there as ever. I mean, Luke Varney. There's a lot of old, wily heads here. Um, and then there's Liam Boyce well, as well. Well, uh, Liam Boyce has to be the hope. Um, he has to be the hope because, I mean, Marvin Sordell did a job when he went there last season, but he's never going to be the striker to, 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 to get you the goals to, to go up. I think that any idea here that Burton are going to be um, challenging to go straight back up again is, 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 is mis- mislaid. I mean, John, Bra- John Brayford's the only one I've left out there who's, who's a star performer. So maybe at the back they'll be okay. Um, I just think that there's, there's not enough there, not enough depth. And I think the manager's possibly for the first time in, in, in Burton's recent history, isn't, isn't the right man. Well, it wasn't just the results in pre-season, but also the fact that they had to cancel an upcoming friendly against Matlock Town after an injury crisis left them without enough first-team players to fulfil the fixture. Uh, it's never been the largest of squads at Burton, uh, and, and, and heading into the season, that remains the case. We got Wickham above them in 18th, George, so the first promoted League Two team that we've come across. And, you know... I don't want to give expectations to fans and clubs, but surely for Wickham, survival would represent real success this season and um, and you're pretty confident that, that they will achieve it, to put it that way, under, under Gareth Ainsworth. Yeah, I, th- I think that Ainsworth is a bit of a genius, to be honest, um, slowly and surely. It, it's, it's, we've said this so many times on the podcast, I mean, it, it's not pretty, but, uh, but it's effective. I'd have liked to have seen them sign a couple more players, um, especially up front. I think they need some some fresher legs up top. I mean, Scott Cashkit um, hasn't necessarily quite fulfilled the the early promise we, we saw from him. Mm. Tyson McHale-Smith and Akinfenwa, I mean, Dad's army can only do so much, really. Um, Curtis Thompson is an interesting uh, signing from, from Notts County on the right-hand side at 24 as well. A, a, a nice age. Matt Bloomfield, who obviously came on the podcast as well, sure to be to be solid again. It's it, it really is a, a group, and then you've got Sam Saunders and Marcus Bean, who are both in their mid thirties as well. I mean, it really is a group of guys at the twilight of their career being coaxed into this harsh, horrible brand of football that gets results. And I think that teams will not like, like going to Adams Park next year, but. Ainsworth holds the key and, and I think so long as he's there he will have enough about this team to, to keep them up Same sort of thing I think with Accrington above them it's really hard I think to know exactly what to expect from Accrington they were 
on the one hand, the champions of League Two last season with a fantastic points tally, those sorts of teams we tend to be very comfortable with uh, tipping up, you know, reaching uh, towards mid-table at least uh, in, in the league above. But then there's that nagging feeling that, 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 that they, they sort of put together this fairy tale season, that they became more than the sum of their parts to such an extent that they were just carried along by an incredible team spirit. And you worry that should a, a campaign start in a more difficult way at a higher level, then this is the, the sort of profile of team that might struggle. Um, having said that, we've not got them in the relegation zone, 17th place for Accrington. I mean, I know the chairman would absolutely bite your hand off for it, and John Coleman probably as well, but what they've done brilliantly, George, is, is keep that the core of their squad, a bit like Wickham, and basically a bit like Wickham and a bit like Gareth Ainsworth, John Coleman is, is betting on those guys and, and I presume trying to whip up that same spirit yeah. uh, that they had last season. <clears throat> and, and a new contract for Sean McConville as well, which is a huge, huge... Um, deal for them to, to keep him at the club and, and with Billy Key looking like he's going to stay there and Caden Jackson I think reported interest from Ipswich this morning but if they can hold on to to those three really in terms of attacking players um, then that's going to be very very important so I, I, I am fairly confident that with John Coleman at the helm similar to, to Wickham maybe even more so than Wickham that, that this team it may they may not cost much. They may not have the backstories to to support their talent, but they're they're seriously good players who who are, who are playing in a, at a club to facilitate their talent. So yeah, I I think they'll be safe. What about Scunthorpe? We've got them in sixteenth place now. This is a playoff team last season, a playoff team the season before. So just explain to the listeners. You know what we've seen over the summer, what's happened at the club over the summer to suggest that actually we shouldn't expect this to be the, the, the Scunthorpe of the last two seasons, notably under Graham Alexander, but that this new Scunthorpe side, possibly slightly cost-cutting, I think it might be fair to say, uh, why we're, we're slightly less sure of them this year and why we've got them uh, in, the, in the middle of the bottom half ultimately. And you look at the, the players that have left, and I mean, you say cost-cutting, they've lost a fair few of them for, for nothing at all. I mean, Tom Hopper's gone to Southend on a free transfer, Neil Bishop's gone to Mansfield on a free transfer, and then it's some players, and sorry, Adelican has also left to Bristol City on a free transfer. These are three guys who were starting fairly regularly last season. They have banked some money for Connor Townsend to West Brom, Murray Wallace to Millwall, and Sam Antonell, that that won't be very much whatsoever um, to Southend. The players they brought in have been from a host of different clubs. You've got one from Southampton Academy, John Flatten from Wolves, one from NAC in, in, in Holland, uh, and a, a Fulham Academy player, Borthwick Jackson from Manchester United, who didn't really look like he had much of a part to play in the championship at Leeds last season. The, the squad seems to have been slightly dismantled um, and, the, and the money not reinvested. And, and Nick Dawes, as, as great a job as he did last season, to, to steady the ship, rally them, and then get them into that playoffs. And I thought they were very unlucky as well in the playoffs semi-final not to, to get something out of the, that second leg. Um, yeah, it, I, I think Scunthorpe's immediate future in terms of trying to get up and out of the, the league is, yeah, it's, it's struggling now. I'm looking forward to seeing how Humphreys and Olomola do. Uh, Olomola obviously on loan at Yeovil last season, uh, looked fairly lively, and Humphreys as well was on loan 
uh, at Rochdale and, and, and similarly Fulham fans have always liked him and, and he's already scored a lot of goals in the youth team um, they've still got Funzo Ojo they've still got Dwayne Holmes you know there are there are decent players there Josh Morris of course but uh, I, th- I think we just feel that this is a club that has in, in a way had its day uh, with the with the squad and its current guys um, and will now have to morph into something else really uh, and, and take a, a different shape and I think that might include a bit of a drop off put it that way to, to start with before things get better but Remains to be seen, really. We've got Rochdale in 15th. Uh, what a turbulent season they had last year, Georgia. An incredible cup run in which they took Spurs all the way, in which they, they looked you know, way better than your average League One team. And yet in the league, probably because of that cup run, probably because of pro- problems that they had with their pitch and a real build-up of fixtures, uh, they struggled all season long and only survived on the final day with the most amazing sporting comeback story possible with Joe Thompson scoring the winning goal on that final day. Um, We've always quite liked them as a proposition under Keith Hill. Last season it didn't go to plan, but we're expecting a a more solid Rochdale side this year. Yeah, I think the last year you can almost draw a line through it, and they were were, not lucky, but it was huge for them to stay up given the season that they had. Um, you mentioned the cup run. There was also the, the absolute farce with their pitch, which caused them huge uh, fixture backlog as well. Which meant that they were real, they were always going to be chasing, uh, which is never necessarily a good place to be. And you speak to football managers or players, and they always would much rather have points on the board rather than games in hand. But they were stuck in that position where they had to claw it back, which they did on the final day. Um, yeah, so I, for me, I, I'd be happily draw a line through it. I don't think they're necessarily ready. To, to push the t- towards the playoffs as they did under Keith Hill a couple of seasons ago um, but I do think that they should be fairly clear of the relegation zone um, so fingers crossed that they can they can prove us right and, and steer clear of that and you look at their you know they brought in Aaron Wilbraham as well yeah. from Bolton who scored that dramatic winner which means that we could be gearing up to see Aaron Wilbraham and Calvin Andrews gearing up together up front at, at Scotland, which would be um, a few bruises for, for any opposition centre-backs. And obviously the, the evergreen Ian Henderson as well, who st- remains their key player in talisman. So, yeah, I'm, I'm much more confident about them than, uh, than last season. But, um, but let's hope they get their pitch sorted. <laughs> the same can't be said, in a way, for Plymouth, who you liked throughout last season. And now you've sort of brought it back to a, a slightly less excited level. Uh, Plymouth are our pick for 14th place. So run us through last season and how, how, how what they did and what they achieved um, brought us to, to, to the current prediction, put it that way, that, that they won't be challenging for the playoffs, but actually settling more in mid-table. Yeah, I'm a bit worried about them. Um, not necessarily because I've gone off Derek Adams, who I still think is fantastic. Um, and the fact they've still got Graham Carey is obviously a huge plus. It's more just that maybe the, the, the part of last season to focus on is actually the first half and not the second half. Obviously, the incredible... I mean, they were bottom at November or whatever, and, and then they nearly get a, got a run into the playoffs, and that was absolutely amazing. But I'm not convinced that that was necessarily their true level of performance. The shot data throughout that time suggested they were overperforming. I think to an extent they were riding the crest of a wave there and I think to an extent they were also in a way had an air of invincibility about them they carried into games that maybe opposition struggled with. Um, If expectations are 
higher here, then I'm concerned that maybe that could also have a negative effect on them in the future. Um, it's not, you know, this isn't too negative. That's what I'm trying to say. I think 14th would be a fair result for Plymouth, but just that run maybe has, has clouded judgment about where the squad actually is. I mean, a very similar squad, a very similar team that's going to be going out next season were 24th in the league in November. That is true. And whilst it turned around, you cannot deny that fact. I hope, because I think Adams is great and Carey's one of my favourite favorite players in the league. I hope I'm wrong, but but I just don't really see the, the cause for much positivity in terms of a promotion push here. How do you cope with losing the manager that took a team tipped for relegation to third place in League One, almost going all the way with Wigan and with Blackburn? Well, we're about to find out with Shrewsbury Town. They're our 13th place team. And the gap left by Paul Hurst and a bit of bitterness really in the way that that departure was handled by Hurst uh, has given new opportunity. John Askey, uh, you know, if Ipswich poached Paul Hurst as they're uh, higher up in the food chain, well, Shrewsbury did the same. Askey promoted with Macclesfield from the National League to League Two, but cashing in when, when his credit's high and, and moving up into League One, which is you know a similar thing that, that, that Paul Hurst did himself. So uh, all part of the footballing food chain. Well, how else do you, do you cope with things? They've managed to lose uh, Abu Agogo, such an important part of their midfield last year. Alex Rodman moves on as well. And Junior Brown, who, who was first choice left back before a horrible injury, he's moved on as well. There's been no shortage of incomings this season. Joel Coleman signs on loan from Huddersfield, the goalkeeper, He's got big gloves to fill after Dean Henderson's impressive season on loan. Um, but they've really gone to town on the signings. Charlie Colkett also joins on loan. But permanent signings of Ryan Haynes, Kieran Kennedy from Macclesfield, a player that, that Askey knows really well and, and will trust. Josh Laurent from, uh, from Wigan, uh, Amadi Holloway, uh, the striker from Oldham, uh, and Fajiri Okanabiri uh, from Dagenham and Redbridge. I think he's someone that non-league fans are, are excited to see test himself in, in League One, as well as Gilead, uh, Alex Gilead, that is, and Doug Loft. So plenty of signings for Shrewsbury. And you just slightly wonder whether they can, uh, they can get anywhere near last season. We're going for, for the answer, no. Um, but they've certainly... They've not just sat on their, on their hands, have they, here? They're, they're, we, well, I, th- I think, that, I mean, in a way they have, and that's a crucial thing with two players in, in Nolan and, uh, and Antiala, who, who they've managed to keep, who, who Paul Hurst has basically said that if it was up to him, he'd brought them to Ipswich with him, as he did with so many players from Grimsby, including Nolan and Antiala. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I think there was a no-selling to Ipswich rule. Absolutely, and that's, that's been really important. If, if either Nolan or Antiala, or, or both of them, we're not in this squad. I think there would be at least three or four spots down and maybe even flirting with the bottom four. As it is, I think those two are complete class acts at this level and should see them deal with a difficult season with some, some credit. Some panache. Um, <laughs> just wanted to use that word, really. Uh, <laughs> Coventry now, moving into the top half. We've got Coventry in 12th. There was a point this summer when I was feeling really excited about Coventry. Uh, and that positivity has cooled somewhat, although 12th would represent a perfectly good first season back at this level. Uh, and it's a club that, you know, could do with uh, a happy, stable season, I think it's fair to say, after a, a, a pretty, uh, a real roller coaster ride over the last few years. Uh, at the same time, they've, they've been very busy in the transfer market. They were the ones that poached Abu Agogo and Junior Brown off Shrewsbury. 
uh, on a free, and that's pretty impressive stuff. Then there's a few more untested sort of potential talents. Reese Alassani signs from Dulwich Hamlet, Zane Westbrook from Brentford B, Brandon Mason from Watford, and, and Dujon Sterling, maybe the most exciting of them all. The right back, 18 year olds from Chelsea. Um, Johnson Clark Harris as well has signed permanently after joining on loan last year from Rotherham. Uh, they have lost Mark McNulty, now, really their key man uh, when it came to, to goals after the injury of Jody Jones. Um, but they got good money for him, and I think that, uh, you know, that they'll be looking for Clark Harris and Biamu to, to, to try and to try and fill his boots to an extent. They're, they're different players, and it might be the case that Coventry plays slightly more direct this season to suit uh, the talents of Biamu and, and Johnson Clark Harris. But we've got them in mid-table. We think under Mark Robbins, they're always going to be a, a competitive team, a team trending upwards, which is a phrase that we do use a lot. Um, but just generally, they, they, they don't look like uh, a team that, that should be anywhere other than mid-table here, and, uh, and that's where we've got them. So, uh, so good stuff for Coventry there. Uh, up into 11th, and Bradford City. George, again, another team, um, you know, you said if Shrewsbury didn't have Woods and Enciala, they might be a few spots lower. Well, I think Bradford would have been a few spots lower a few weeks ago, but the signing of, uh, of Jack Payne on loan, George Miller as well. Uh, pretty eye-catching stuff, I think. Yeah, really, really impressive. I was surprised that uh, Jack Payne didn't get a championship move. Um, it kind of stings a bit more now that he was taken off Oxford last uh, last January if he's been sent out to Bradford this time around. But hey-ho, um, he's a player that I'm sure Bradford fans will, will really, really take to. He's, he's one of those players that's really fun to have in your team because he's got a bit of everything. He's small, he runs his heart out, he, uh, he's got a low central gravity, so his dribbling's very good, but he's also, the best part of his game is his passing. and He's very, very creative. So if Charlie White somehow is still at the club in on the 10th of August, then that's going to be exciting. And that's a, that's a duo, considering that Jack Payne sometimes made Wes Thomas look half-decent. Uh, you'd think that the, the White would, pro- would profit a fair bit from uh, from Jack Payne. Um, interesting Michael Collins as well, ex-Oxford player, who was always very, very articulate um, in his in, in the way he spoke about football. Uh, he also went out to India after... Uh, after um, he left Oxford to learn more about the game out there and to do some coaching and, do, and play a bit. Uh, was in a very, very good um, documentary, um, which was you know produced by by friend of the pod Cy Watts on Sky Sports, which I can recommend that you still watch. Uh, out, out of, of contract. contract, yeah. So you can learn a lot about any Bradford fans who haven't watched Out of Contract yet. Um, I would recommend you to do so. He's an interesting guy, and and he's and he's bright, and uh, and he was a decent player. It's a big job. It's a massive job for him to take on this, and, and you have to hope that, um, that that he will rise to the challenge, especially given some of the names that was being that were being bandied about when uh, when McCall left. The likes of Hannes Wolf, do you remember, was, was odds-on favourite for a long time, and uh, it's a big job for, for Michael Collins. But um, maybe the fact that they slid away as they did at the back end of last season will buy him some time. And uh, a mid-table finish here would be no disaster. A real changing of the guard when you remember the playoff final that Bradford lost to Millwall, uh, not last season, but the one before. I mean, you look at the outgoings this summer, Vancelo goes, McMahon, uh, Colin Doyle, Nicky Law. Um, you know, there, there, there really has been departures. Meredith, obviously, the season previously. And, uh, you know, basically none of them are left, is what I'm saying. And so that's, that's a big overturn. That's a big uh, overhauling, I should say, of the squad. And um, looks like they're going down a slightly younger route. Uh, George Miller is someone I wanted to flag up. I, I do think that he has a real eye for goal. 
Um, and I think that in a good team, he scored some for, for Berry last season on loan from Borough. Uh, and I think in a good team, he's, he, he, he genuinely could be one of those strikers, even at 19 years of age, who sniffs out 15, 20 goals. Uh, and, and better for him if Wyke is there uh, to be that physical presence, to, to help create opportunities for him rather than perhaps playing up front on his own, which is tough for any 19-year-old. Uh, but but he's someone that I'm expecting good things from this season. Uh, we've got to 10th place, and we haven't heard the word Oxford, really, uh, although we've heard suggestions of it. And we're not going to again? No, and we, we are, are going we are, to. We are. 10th place, <laughs> Oxford United. George, tell everyone what your thoughts are at this stage. You're finding it, I think, quite hard to be sure of anything, um, but thrilled to be not in the same position as last year I think it's fair to say yeah I mean there's a lot of dead woods had to be cleared Um, the recruitment last summer was a a shambles to be honest Um, and it's just unbelievably nice to realise that Dwight Tiendali and and Chemi and uh, Gino Van Kessel are no longer picking up what what are probably significant wages at the club Um, I think the squad as it is as first 11s go is probably up there with the best in the league. Um, I think to run through, I mean, the, the, the spine of the team, I mean, having Curtis Nelson back fit with Simon Eastwood in goal, um, Cameron Brannigan in the centre center of the park and then the front four or the, the three behind the one looking like it's going to be Hall, Henry and Carruthers. That's very good. It's And I mean, Luke Garbutt coming on loan from Everton as well, I think is, is a coup as well as Tony McMahon from, from Bradford. So I think the, the starting players are exciting. Um, it, it's just the depth underneath I'm not quite so sure about I mean Jamie Mackey and Marcus Brown will offer something in attack Gavin White we know very little about who's come from Crusaders in Northern Ireland with a huge reputation after scoring a lot of goals from the wing there um, Carl Robinson I think has been a bit frustrated with some deals not getting over the line there have been some fans a bit frustrated and a bit concerned that, that maybe the, the owner doesn't quite have the funds that he has made out um, we haven't paid a fee for a player although I do think the calibre of player we've brought in has been fairly decent there, there's just a, a there's just a bit of a nagging doubt it, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Oxford make a fast start and, and really be one of the teams at the top end of the table but there, are, there have to be question marks about the strength and depth and a few injuries here and there would leave us very very thin especially currently in centre midfield and up top where John Abika is the only striker at the club. If you're, I mean, I don't think, we, despite the fact that Jamie Mackey was introduced to the to fans and the club as a striker, I think that's a bit of a reach. So it's cautious optimism. I mean, I, I, I'd be surprised if there weren't a few, three or four more in the next week or so, hopefully of a decent standard. I think Sam Smith from Reading, who we know very little about, is, is, is going to be one of them. Um, and Jem Karakan has been, been mentioned as well from Reading. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'd be very, very surprised given how sh- terribly last season went and how we failed to build on any momentum that Michael Appleton left us with. I'd be amazed if, um, if given how, you know, Carl Robinson, even if you don't like him, there's no denying the fact that he, he's functional at, at worst. Um, yeah, top 10 finish is on the cards. I'm sure we'll finish top half. Is there like an underground tunnel from from Everton to Oxford? Because, I mean, that, there can't have been much more business between a, a Premier League club and a lower league club than there has been between Oxford and, uh, and Everton the last few years. And long may it continue from Yellow's point of view because you've done pretty well out of it, yeah. I think it's fair to say. Uh, in ninth, we've got Bristol Rovers. I'm going to immediately throw back to you here. I seem to remember a discussion last night in which 
Uh, I expressed, seem to remember. Yeah, I, ex- I expressed a bit of concern about the quality of the squad of Bristol Rovers. And you quite quickly talked me out of it, to be fair. And I was easily persuaded that ninth was a good place for them. Uh, of course, as we always mention when we talk about Bristol Rovers, their greatest asset, their manager, Daryl Clark. Um, but but y- y- you see a squad that under Clark uh, can be better than last year. And hopefully for him and from fans' point of view, they'll stop losing all their best players because yeah. <laughs> it was Harrison recently, it was Bowden before that, but wait, but it was Matty go, Taylor before that. Whenever they go, there always seems to be another person waiting to come in and, and, and fill their boots. And I think that's testament to Daryl Clark is that he can, you know, he's, he's a manager who understands his system and knows how to get the best out of players. I, mean, I think they still have, have some superb players there. Tom Lockyer being an obvious one, a 23-year centre-back who's far you know, mature beyond his years there and a bit of quality and a bit of experience there and the likes of James Clark and Tony Craig um, if you're looking further forward Liam Serkham obviously who won their Player of the Year award last season after a fantastic debut season as a goal scoring box to box midfielder Ollie Clark in there as well Chris Lyons we know a lot about Stuart Sinclair still at the age of 30 Daryl Clark's lieutenant or still do you know his trusted uh, his trusted person further forward the issue is up front unquestionably and uh, and without any signings, uh, without any more signings, it looks like Tom Nichols has to be the player to step into the breach. It's I, only I, been a few days since Harrison left, maybe a week or so. They've obviously got some funds and maybe that's a sticking point because if you're Forrest Green and Bristol Rovers phone you about Christian Doidge, which has been heavily rumoured, yes. uh, then you know it's a bit like the Moisa and Cheltenham situation. If teams know you have money, uh, then they're going to try and make sure they get as much as they can out of you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that, that is true. But they, I mean, they, they've signed one, one player um, who comes with some goal-scoring pedigree, albeit in Scotland, um, in Gavin Riley, who at 25 scored 11 goals last season for St Mirren in, in about 25 league games. Um, it doesn't sound that appealing, but this is the kind of signing that Daryl Clark makes. And we're suddenly talking about him in November as being this, this hotshot new, new striker that Bristol Rovers have got. As long as that man's at the club, um, I think they'll continue to, to challenge towards the top end of the table. The next one, possibly more so than any of our picks throughout Championship and League Two. As I say it, I'm, I'm already a bit worried. Uh, and it's Charlton in eighth place. In the Championship, we had a few teams who we basically said they look like they could be really good, but there's huge potential for massive meltdown as well. And it can be quite hard when you're putting together a league table, if that's the case, to know where to put a team like that. We've got Charlton in eighth. Now, the rumoured takeover that was meant to happen in February still hasn't happened. Um, There are some... Well, I've seen some tweets, put it that way, uh, and seen some some statements from protest groups that protest against the owner Roland du Châtelet that suggest that all is not well at all at the club uh, behind the scenes this summer. Uh, so that suggests that staff have had to work in the dark at times because um, the, the light bill hasn't been paid. Uh, they they have signed Lyle Taylor. They've managed to coax him away from Wimbledon on a free transfer. That was quite early in the summer, and at that point you thought, well, here we go. Charlton could actually be looking really quite strong. Um, but that's really where it's ended, and they've got a very, very small squad of about 18, 19 players. Uh, and, you know, quality in there, undoubted quality in there. Uh, a manager in... Lee Bowyer, who's not their manager because he hasn't been appointed yet because the owners don't want to appoint him in case it puts off a potential sale. Um, and in lovely Johnny Jackson, who we love so much as his assistant. And I just don't... I, that all sounded quite negative. We've got them in eighth, though, because the quality's there. 
they finished last season pretty strongly under Bowyer and Jackson and uh, I, I'm going to stop talking <laughs> say, now because I'm, I'm going around in circles. You, say, you sound very confused. I, I think that you, it's important to remember that there are players in there who, who are of a quality that, that, that should be looking up in their careers, not down. I mean, you're looking at Jason Pearce, who's a bit older, but, but is, is undoubted quality. Patrick Bauer, um, Naby Saar, of course, Chris Solly, and they're all defenders. They brought in Darren Prattley in centre midfield, who, you know, he, he's, he's getting on a bit, but, but he's, he's always played at a higher level. Give licence to Forster Kasky and to Ariba. Who, who we're a big fan of, and, and Ariba, exactly. Um, up top, you've got Lyle Taylor, Nicky Jose, who who's, seems to be a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde footballer. Carl and Home Grant could also be, you know, is this going to be his year to actually to, to, to shine and, and show what he can do for Charlton rather than another, another team? He's had some legal trouble this summer. Uh, he's also made, made the decision to take the Ahern out of his name. So henceforth, we shall refer to him as Carl and Grant. Uh, and he's a player that should he be able to get past this, uh, this uh, legal issue uh, which we won't go into but which you can find out about online obviously uh, then I think he is ready I personally think that at Crawley last season he looked absolutely electric there's a there's a chance and you've you've I'm really glad that you had that little cameo because I've just remembered why we stuck with them in eighth because that front line has the potential to be sensational that midfield is really strong this first team essentially this starting 11 you know a squad of 14 15 is brilliant on paper. Um, now you've got to worry about you know the speculation about stuff going on behind the scenes. If they can get a takeover deal done at some point, um, steady the ship, bring the supporters back on side, uh, then there's there's plenty that could be got out of this squad. And uh, I think that that is what I was struggling to recall when I was remembering all the all the slightly uh, less exciting stuff. Uh, Fleetwood in seventh, their manager Joey Barton debut management for him and we think they're looking quite good I've seen them a bit in pre-season and we don't put too much importance on pre-season performances and results but it's more been the style that I've seen it's been the way that they've passed and moved it's been some uh, some good finishing it's been some great midfield play and you just look at their squad and you think well if Barton is going to be an inspirational manager, if he's going to be a motivator, if he's going to be half decent, essentially, then he's got the tools at his disposal. And um, some interesting additions as well. He's, he's, he's brought in some experience in Craig Morgan and Dean Marnie and Tommy Spur, as well as Ched Evans, uh, who signs on loan from Sheffield United. Um, but then Eddie Clark, who's a very highly rated left back from Tramere Rovers, Chris Long, who he knows from, from his Burnley days, uh, Joey Barton. And I think Quite excitingly, Jason Holt on loan from Rangers as well. And you add those players to a squad that includes Conor McElhaney, uh, Ashley Hunter uh, uh, and Kyle Dempsey and Bobby Grant in midfield. And you start to think, yeah, actually, uh, I quite like the look of this team. So Fleetwood, we've got in seventh place and I'm looking forward to seeing how they do. Of course, you know, we discussed it with Lampard on the, on the Championship podcast. We don't know what Barton will be like at this stage, but... Uh, I'm feeling quite good about Fleetwood this season. We've got them just outside the playoffs. You put Southend above them. I was going for Fleetwood, you were going for Southend. You won this battle. Southend, a playoff team for us this season under Chris Powell. Tell the listeners why. Uh, yeah, Chris Powell is, is a big reason why. Um, <laughs> he took over at a difficult stage for them last year, at the end of the final, final end of, of Phil Brown's tenure. And uh, and did really well. It was a quite um, 
it was good runs followed by a bad run followed by, by a decent run, which may not be that good a thing going forward. But um, but I think there's enough in that squad still to, to suggest that they'll be they'll be at least um, competitive towards the top end. I think that Tom Hopper's a very interesting one as well. At a good age, he's young and, and he scored goals at this level before. And I think he's always been slightly stif- slightly stifled by the fact that Scunthorpe, especially in the last couple of years, have had a host of strikers to call upon. And I think that he'll probably be the main man here. Um, and that's why he's moved over. And, and Timothy Dieng as well is another person we've seen um, do well at, at Bradford in their successful times as well. So I, I just think that they're, they're a club on the up. They're a club who've had enough quality in recent years to be towards the top end. They've paid the price of Phil Brown's slightly topsy-turvy methods. And I think that in Chris Powell, they've got a club legend who has brought the good times back. And, and I expect them to, to, to be decent. We've got Peterborough above them in fifth, and I don't think anyone truly knows how Peterborough are going to look, uh, certainly to start the season, because, of course, as with every year, there has been massive overhaul in the transfer market. Now, I, th- I always think about this quite positively in terms of, of Peterborough's transfer dealings. It, it impresses me the way that they're able to rebuild squads uh, and the way that they consistently... Um, really are obliged to sell their best players sometimes up to two, three, four per season which is what we've seen this summer uh, but the way that they replace them it's kind of like cutting the head off a worm and two grow in its place uh, they very much know their place in the football food chain I think um, their players being poached by championship sides is something that they have to get used to something they have to put up with Jack Marriott Guion Edwards uh, just some examples Leo De Silva Lopez of course as well they've lost Jack Baldwin uh, they might lose Marcus Madison that's fine and it's not ideal for fans of course it's hard uh, at times and frustrating but at the very least, you have to be impressed with their, the, the way that they cope with it, the way that they move quickly uh, in the transfer market to, to bring in players. The same sort of profile of players. And at this stage, a bit like with Brentford, you sort of just believe when they sign someone from League Two that, that they've made a good deal. Uh, and, and look, this summer, players like Louis Reed, who I really liked last year at Chesterfield, great ball player, Alex Woodyard, tenacious in midfield, Callum Cooks joined from Middlesbrough, another good midfield player. Josh Yorworth I like a lot. I think he deserves his chance at League One level after being uh, a very solid defender for Crawley down in League Two. Dembele from Grimsby, we don't know. He's looked electric in pre-season, but he did the same for Grimsby last year and, and, and kind of fell away as the season started and the game stacked up. Um, but you, you can just keep going. I mean, Jason Cummings comes in alone from Nottingham Forest. I'm, I'm going to be betting on him to be the top scorer in the league. Uh, we know that being a striker at Peterborough is a lovely, lovely place to be. Um, and I just think Cummings is going to help himself. Uh, it's very possible that it's too much that there's too much that's happened, too much overhaul, and they'll start the season slowly under Steve Evans, and who knows what'll happen from there. Uh, but I've just got a sneaky suspicion that over the course of the season, uh, that, that, that actually some of these replacements are really going to come to the fore, and we'll forget Marriott, and we'll forget Edwards, and we'll forget Madison, and we'll forget Baldwin, because two have grown in their place. Uh, and that, that's just how I'm feeling about Peter Cur- Peterborough currently. Pompey in fourth, George. Uh, I think it's one of the quick ones. Yeah. There's not really much to say, except for they, they were good last season. They improved as the season went on. Kenny Jackett's a, a, a safe pair of hands. They've kept Brett Pittman, who's probably the best striker in the league. I mean, what's not to love? They're going to be solid. They're going to be hard to beat at home. I see them being the type of team that wins a lot of games. 1-0, 2-0. Uh, 
I think they're going to be good this year. I definitely think they're going to be good. Uh, Sunderland, we've got to touch on a little bit more because uh, they are the headline team, really, at this stage in League One. I feel one. so sorry for any Pompey fans who listened to that whole thing and then just heard us just do, do them in 20 seconds. But at least they're fourth. That's true, actually. At least sorry, Pompey fans. I mean, you're fourth. It's fine. We're very, we're very positive about your chances. So, so yeah, take that to the bank. Um, Sunderland in third. What? Sunderland not predicted to go up automatically this season, George. We just felt... Aside from the betting, where they are an absurdly short price, just in pure footballing terms, we did not feel comfortable looking at this Sunderland as a club, as a team at the moment, and saying, yes, they're going to absolutely walk it. We might look quite stupid in nine months' time. Um, Last season, all three promoted teams straight back up. Obviously, we've got them third, so we're not saying they're going to have another disaster season. Uh, But still... Perhaps a surprising pick. What is it about Sunderland that makes us think they won't, they wouldn't walk this league? I mean, a few things. I think it's the good feeling that's been created around the takeover, understandably, and it's and it's a huge thing for the club. Has cultivated this positive atmosphere that maybe overshadows the club in a few ways. If I mean, last season they were managed by Chris Coleman um, and had a squads full of players who, who probably weren't of the quality to be in the championship and, and they ended up finishing bottom of the league. They brought in new players this season and, and, and absolutely had to do that. They brought in Jack Ross as manager, who by all accounts is a very um, promising Scottish manager. But to suggest that he is an upgrade on Coleman is probably a reach. To, to see him as some coup because he was uh, being chased by a couple of championship teams is also I mean he, he's, he's you've got to sit on the fence with him there's no way you can sit here telling us that this is a massive a, a massive signing for the club he's never managed in, at this level before never managed in England before in terms of, of, of their transfer business unsurprisingly he has gone to uh, to Scotland for a fair bit of it um, we have seen Dylan McGooch come in. <laughs> Dylan McGeoch. I checked this because his name has an awful lot of vowels in succession. Dylan, and I didn't know how say to Dylan say Dylan McGooch. That. You can say Dylan McGooch. Uh, I'm going to say Dylan McGeoch. John, McLo- John McLaughlin um, have both come t- down from south of the border. I think Chris McGuire is a very shrewd signing indeed, as, as I'm sure you can imagine. Luke O'Neill is also exciting, but again, it's a huge step up for him. It's just, and, and they've cleared a lot of dead wood, which was the key aim here. I'm sure that they will be much better as a club, as a football team, everything next season. But to, to think that because they're Sunderland and because Ella Short's left, they're going to walk this league. Based on And also Jack Baldwin, I think, is a, is a poor signing and a, a lot of Peterborough fans agree with that as well. Um, I think to suggest that they're going to walk this league is, is so premature and so misguided in terms of just sheer quality. Like You, can, you compare the team they've got on paper to that of Wigan and, and Blackburn's last year. It's, it's, there's just doesn't seem to me to be any any correlation so I mean a, a third place finish I think is a great effort for them you know it gives them a chance for returning to the championship at the first time of asking well done I couldn't agree more with all of that uh, there's a team called Luton Town promoted from League One last season they finished second sorry in League Two last season and we've got them finishing second in League One this season George they were a very very good League Two side some would say the best side in League Two. I think you would say that. I think Nathan Jones would probably say that. And I know that that winds a lot of people up. Um, you've looked at their summer transfer business and you just, I think, I think you audibly purred. Yeah. 
and uh, you're really you're really leading this one. Not that I'm passing the buck, but I'm leading the next one. You're leading this one. Luton automatically promoted. Yeah, I think that they're going to be suited by by the rise up to to League One. I think they dropped a lot of points in games last season, almost through complacency. Um, they've kept Danny Hilton, which is going to be really exciting to see how he gets on next season. They've kept basically just the key players in in the team from last year, really. And and I mean, Ollie Lee's the, the only real, really real notable person who, who's dropped out. Um, and then you look at the players they brought in. It's clever. It's innovative. It's players who know the league and know what they have to do. You've got Sonny Bradley coming in from Plymouth. Andrew Shinney, who had a great loan spell there last year. George Grant, who impressed so much at Notts County. Matty Pearson, good player from Bar- from from Barnsley. It's it's exciting. And you look at the, the players they've left. The only person who I think they would have liked to have kept, um, yeah, is Lee, and, and that's it. So. I think last season they were a mid-table, probably mid-table uh, League One team. And given the, the growth of the players that they brought on, given Nathan Jones, who I'm a huge fan of, and him learning and more experience there, yeah, I think they're well set to to take hold of what is, in my opinion, a, a pretty weak League One renewal, especially compared to last season. I saw a tweet from a uh, from a chap called Mark Wood, a Luton Town fan. And um, I, I think it's worth reading out because it just goes to show how well this club's been run uh, in the last few seasons. And, you know, transfer money brought in isn't everything, but it is normally the sign of a club that's doing it right, especially if results go their way on the pitch. So he writes, by my calculations, if, if Stacey, the right back, leaves, uh, will have brought in around £2 million per season for the last four years and won two promotions while spending only a fraction of that. Terrific scouting, purchases and selling. Of course, it's easy for others to spuriously talk about Luton Town's budget. The most exciting thing for League One this season is the Luton and Accrington rivalry, I put it to you. The second most exciting thing about League One this season is all the managers who are going to be winding each other up so, so much. It's not even funny. Uh, And Nathan Jones is very much a part of that. Steve Evans is a part of that. Joey Barton is a part of that. Carl Robinson is a part of that. Mark Robbins. These are all brilliant wind-up merchants. And I haven't even mentioned the best of them all, Derek Adams. So we're really excited about League One. Let us tell you about who we think are going to win League One. Uh, And it is a relegated championship side, but it's not Sunderland. It's Barnsley. Now, Barnsley have signed one player. He's called Kenny Dougal, which is an excellent name. Two Scottish first names in one name. Uh, He appears to be half Australian, half Scottish, and they've signed him from Sparta, Rotterdam. That is absolutely the sort of signing I can get on board with without knowing anything about the player. Uh, They've got Daniel Stendhalin as a manager. Now, of course, we cannot sit here and say uh, that he is an excellent manager, but he comes uh, with pretty good reviews from Germany uh, and, and in general... Uh, that style of football um, that, that he seems to be after is the type of thing that, that we, we're going to enjoy watching, the type of thing that we think, if done well, can be quite effective at this level. But the main thing for me is looking at the strength of the squad uh, and the fact that the, the, the disappointment of relegation can take a bit of time to get over. But I've just got a feeling with this squad that they are going to be quite eager to hit the ground running because... I think a lot of people don't think Barnsley should have actually been relegated last season based on the players they had. Uh, and, and it was really just that one appointment of, uh, of Mr. Morais uh, that didn't really help because it just caused so much confusion. But when you look at their starting eleven, it is hugely impressive. Uh, no, nothing more so than the front two, Tom Bradshaw and Kiefer Moore. 
Uh, Liam Lindsay at the back as well, of course. These players should be playing in the Championship. I think it's a massive statement of intent from the board and a really impressive uh, thing to do to be able to keep hold of these players. Uh, and, and I think that while the fans have not always loved some of the actions uh, of the new board since they've taken over, I think that this should be considered one of the best things that they could have done. Uh, an absolutely brilliant piece of summer business to essentially keep that same squad they're between all of them between 20 and 26 they're all quality quality players and I personally think that Barnsley if they hit the ground running could absolutely run away with this division so Barnsley and Luton are top two Sunderland Portsmouth Peterborough and Southend in the playoff places we hope that you've enjoyed this league one season preview if you have we'd love it if you were to give it a retweet uh, maybe a, a special original tweet to point uh, us in the direction of your followers and, and vice versa and uh, and just generally we wanted to say thank you very much for listening thank you very much for your support make sure you take on board our league two predictions our championship predictions which you can obviously find in the same place uh, we're going to be much more regular throughout the season we're really looking forward to that we'll speak on monday after the first games and we're really really excited so stay tuned for plenty more of us this season uh, we cannot wait 